0: Greetings and welcome to this special Labor Day edition of Studs. I'm Daniel Lazar. Now, as you might expect, your podcast pal here with his show about working, he's got some thoughts about Labor Day, and I want to share a few of them with you. And then I'm delighted to share some Labor Day reflections with some friends of the Studs pod. Now, for my part, I just want to tell the story. A story that started one block away from the Jesse Spaulding Elementary School, where my father wreaked havoc for six years of his life, in my hometown of Chicagoland, USA, about 150 years ago, when 40,000 workers gathered to demand, in their words, an eight-hour day with no cut in pay. Now these are guys working six days a week, 10, 12 hours a day, in dangerously brutal factory conditions. Having exhausted less disruptive means, they went on strike. Outside of the McCormick Harvesting Machine Company, per the guidance of the German-born labor leader August Spies, the striking workers stayed cool and calm and collected until, that is, the workday ended, and the scab workers emerged from their shift at the factory. The striking workers confronted the scabs from the other side of the gate, There was yelling and screaming and a bunch of name-calling and a bunch of languages. It was a tense scene, man. And it ended with the Chicago police shooting two unarmed, striking workers. To commemorate the lives of the two fallen workers, a rally was set for the next day, at which something went tragically wrong. A peaceful protest to commemorate the fallen laborers turned violent. Someone lobbed an explosive at the police. The police fired indiscriminately into the crowd, sadly killing each other with friendly fire in some cases. No one knows who threw the explosive at the police, and no reasonable person would defend them. It may have been anarchists who may or may not have been striking workers. It may have well have been an agent provocateur working for the company, No one knows. What we do know is that eight men, five of them German-born, another of German descent, were arrested at the offices of the German-language paper Zeitung, the Social Democratic Workers' newspaper, and they were put on trial for conspiracy. The judge sentenced seven to hang to death, relieving one with 15 years in a Chicago prison. Four were executed by the state. One committed suicide in jail. Three were later pardoned by a new governor. And the whole world was watching. From across the Atlantic, George Bernard Shaw and Oscar Wilde were among the millions who condemned the hangings. To commemorate the massacre at Haymarket and to protest this miscarriage of justice, workers in dozens of countries pronounced May 1st May Day. And to this day... May Day is commemorated in 80 countries from Argentina to Zimbabwe, but not in the U.S. Americans struggled then and struggle now to confront the economic injustice that led to the melee in Chicago. They didn't even know what to call the event. The mainstream press, including the New York Times, called it the Haymarket Riot. The workers of the world called it the Haymarket Massacre. Seeking a language of conciliation, most Americans settled on the Haymarket Affair, or just Haymarket. But settling on the language didn't settle the score. Less than a decade later, in 1894, still in my fair city of Chicago, there was a train car company owned by George Pullman. Pullman, like Lowell, Massachusetts before it, was an experiment in capitalistic paternalism where employees of the Pullman train car company lived in company flats, they slept on company beds, and they shopped at company stores. And in 1894, in response to wage cuts, without commensurate cuts in the price of rent or the price of food, the Pullman workers went on strike. And they urged a boycott of trains that carried Pullman cars. And in solidarity, 125,000 rail workers on 30 different railroad lines walked off of the job rather than handle Pullman cars. This basically shut down all rail traffic west of Detroit. President Grover Cleveland deployed the U.S. Army on the strikers. 30 strikers were killed. The Pullman strike marks a turning point in the history of economic justice in America. Though swift and zealous in unleashing the military on the workers, the Cleveland administration established an investigatory commission, which concluded that Pullman's company town was, quote, un-American. Indeed, a couple years later, the state of Illinois forced the Pullman company to sell the Pullman town to the city of Chicago. Oh, and Labor Day was established as a federal holiday, in that year of 1894, as an olive branch to the rail strikers. So here we have this funny little thing called Labor Day. It means a lot to me, and to the spirit of this podcast. But Labor Day means different things to different folks. So I reached out to a few friends of the Studs Pod, and I just asked them what Labor Day means to them. I'm wicked grateful to have received a number of responses And I just want to share a couple of my favorites with you so that you and I together can celebrate and commemorate Labor Day. The first is from my colleague and pal, Angel LaRuz. These days, I spend most of my time with Angel grappling with the staff copy machine. But in those undignified moments, unjamming paper between classes, Señor LaRuz proves insightful. So I was honored to learn that he was game to participate in this project. Here's Angel.
1: Labor Day has taken on various guises throughout the course of my life. First off, it marked the end of summer and the start of a new school year. While ostensibly an unofficial label, the closing of public beaches in New York City left little doubt as to its significance. Of course, you can't shut down the shore, really. That traditional finale to the vacation period meant no lifeguards till next season. In other words, Our safety and joy at the coast were contingent on able bodies willing to work. Another personal connection involves parades. My mom was a member of the Lions Club, and she proudly wore her garb and marched for hours every September, at first in the official procession in Manhattan, sponsored by unions, and later in the West Indian Carnival event in Brooklyn. Both public demonstrations of solidarity, identity, and pride were celebrations of the value of workers and immigrants. More recently, Labor Day has often evinced a more radical aspect, reflecting my living in Berlin, Germany. Naturally, that rally falls on May Day and harkens back to the struggle for the eight-hour day and the Haymarket Affair of 1886. Violent clashes with the police are not uncommon here on this date, grim reminders of both the fundamental tension between classes and the stakes involved in that conflict. While these clashes have diminished of late and been criticized as nihilistic hooliganism, they nevertheless highlight the revolutionary underpinnings of unionism, a movement originally fomented by anarchists, socialists, and communists, now largely homogenized as a rationale for complacency and consumerism in the United States. Ironically, what began as an American initiative to commemorate the sacrifices made in the battle of organized labor to secure a decent living and safe working conditions now evokes a straightened insular perspective devoid of both its international links and advocacy. Make no mistake, Labor Day honors workers and their contribution to society. The current pandemic clearly illustrates this point. Even undocumented workers are now considered quote-unquote essential for the economy. Similarly, heretofore lowly jobs such as supermarket cashiers and custodial staffs at hospitals have more than proven their worth. Likewise, the push for a livable minimum wage points to a shift in priorities from corporate profits to human beings. We must never undermine the distinctions that a holiday like Labor Day affords the bedrock of our society, workers. Neither should we cede their role as a fulcrum for social change to politicians. Instead, let us rise to the occasion. Whether you're at the beach, shopping for school supplies, or just enjoying a cookout with friends and family, support unions and workers in general. Remember, nothing works without them. Happy Labor Day.
0: Yeah, happy Labor Day to you too, Angel. The next reflection on Labor Day comes from the other side of the Atlantic. Shanti Chu is an instructor of philosophy, and an activist, and a DJ, and a vegan food maven of some stature, I've come to learn. Generally, she's a stand-up person. To be honest with you, I was reticent to reach out to her for this episode because she's going to be featured on Studs in a few weeks to talk about her work in education. But I know she cares a lot about labor and laborers, so I pinged her. She was game, and here's Shanti Chu.
2: So Labor Day to me is an opportunity to honor the audacity and sacrifices of our working ancestors who have fought for the conditions we should never have to fight for. Thanks to our ancestors and heroic unions, we have the eight-hour workday, paid time off, healthier and safer working conditions, among many other benefits. It is crucial to remember the origins of this day, given how unions and workers are constantly being attacked and exploited by big business and hedonistic capitalism. If we have the privilege of having this day off, which we should all have this day off, but unfortunately we don't in the US, we should take the time to reflect on workers' rights and our working conditions while engaging in important self-reflection. So asking ourselves some questions like, are we fulfilled by our work? Are we growing in our work? And ultimately, it's important to take a break from work on Labor Day and spend meaningful time with ourselves and our loved ones, if we have them, doing things that are fulfilling to us. I also hope that unions can continue to grow and protect our workers in the midst of these challenging times. And also, in addition to honoring and thinking about the meaning of Labor Day, we should also just enjoy these last few days or few weeks of summer, given how winter is coming, unfortunately. So, it's important to reflect on the meaning of Labor Day. It's important to think about how our work can be fulfilling to us. And if not, maybe what are some changes we can make in our lives if we can make those changes. And then to also just enjoy the beautiful last few weeks of summer because everything is transient.
0: Yeah, everything's transient except you, Shanti Chu. You, you're eternal. And I'm eternally grateful for your thoughts. And I'm wicked grateful for this next fella, Dr. Patrick Baker. He's an historian, a translator, an awesome parent and a sterling pal. He's also been a friend of the Studs pod from day one, so I knew I could count on him to deliver a meditation on Labor Day. Here's my buddy Patrick.
3: I was born in Chicago and raised in southern Pennsylvania and outside of Detroit. I mostly associate Labor Day with barbecues, pig roasts, and the family reunion. Back in 1980, my grandmother and her three sisters decided to begin a family reunion to get all of their relatives together. And they held it on Labor Day. So what I remember is getting together in some hot, god-awful August day near either at my grandma's house or later at a country property along a stream, stealing deviled eggs before other people got to them, sticking my hand way too often into a cooler full of soda, a drink I was not normally allowed to have. There were noodle salads galore. And at least one time, there was this silly idea of grilling corn on the cob. And one of my uncles would yell out, Five minutes to corn! I guess you had to be there. Anyway, the family reunion, that's what I always associated Labor Day with as a kid. And of course, back to school, Labor Day meant the end of the summer, the end of freedom, and, in a sense, the beginning of real work. Kind of ironic. Irony attended Labor Day as I got older. I remember when I was a teenager and in college, working jobs that were based on shifts or part-time work, not being a full-time employee, we got Labor Day off, which basically meant you weren't allowed to work and you weren't allowed to make any money that day. So Labor Day might've been a celebration of labor, but I considered it a big waste of time. I currently live in Berlin in the Kreuzberg neighborhood. German Labor Day, of course, In another part of the year, May Day, May 1st, is a big deal here in this neighborhood. There are always demonstrations and some rioting. People like to throw cobblestones at police, and there have been some tragic episodes here on Labor Day. It's always a day that I try to avoid the streets and do something different. And it occurs to me that that different thing I've generally always done is go to my office work. I don't think I've ever taken Labor Day off. Uh, Another irony. I guess Labor Day is all about irony for me. So I just go to my office and enjoy the peace and quiet, because of course no one else was there, and hopefully get a lot of work done. My old office was on Morhenstrasse, which is just one street away from the parade route that the Verdi Parade takes, the uh, big labor union in Germany. And one year I actually decided to go to the parade and watch it go by, and it seemed incredibly sad to me. There weren't that many people at it, and they didn't really seem all that vigorous, and there was hardly anyone watching. It just seemed very sad. As I think about Labor Day today, and work, and what it means to have a day ostensibly celebrating work, I guess I just have to come back to irony again. Because who gets Labor Day off? Who actually gets to celebrate labor? Only people who are lucky enough to have the kind of jobs that are not precarious. People who have a labor union protecting them or who work a government job. But for most people, myself included, uh, work is a precarious activity. To have a day ostensibly celebrating that work, giving you time off, which you can't actually take or which you can't actually enjoy because you don't know if you're going to have a job next month or next year. Or if you're worried about not making enough money, well, it all just seems sad, or at least ironic. So, that's what you get for Labor Day.
0: The irony is not lost on me, Patrick. I hear you. I hear you. At the same time, as you know as well as anyone, my whole modus operandi on the Studs pod is earnestness and empathy. So I'd like to drive us home by encouraging my beloved listeners to make some space in their lives to meditate on labor. Labor in all its complexities and inconsistencies. Look, with climate change and COVID and culture wars, polarized politics and economic anxieties, the enduring crisis of labor is scarcely in our peripheral vision. But today is our day to bring it into focus. So let's do that in earnest. Let's take a moment to celebrate the achievements of labor, to mourn its dreaded defeats, and to hope for the future. But above all, let's exercise empathy. Empathy for the cashier with the tired feet staring restlessly at the automated checkout machines. Empathy for the truck driver with the jacked up back. Empathy for those who care for our sick and elderly. Empathy for those who pick our crops and serve our food. Empathy for my comrades in education trying to breathe and smile behind their masks so they can create a nurturing space for kids to learn. Empathy for the Bangladeshi textile workers and the Chinese at Foxconn. And the beat goes on. Let's take a moment, if only today, to wrestle with the problem of labor so that our children and our children's children may labor in dignity. I know studs would have wanted it that way. Happy Labor Day to one and all. I'll catch you next week.